Welcome to No Good Evangelists, starring two No Good Evangelists. That's I'm right. Bob, and that's Dan. Don't ever interrupt me again. We're trying to get better. <laughs> We're not even good podcasters. No, No Good <laughs> Evangelists, and even worse, podcasters. So what's the topic, Bob? Speakers, talkers. Mary, we got to touch on Mary. That's right, because she's the mother of God, right? I love you, Mom. Remember those signs you saw at football games? I love you, Mom. Yeah? Love you, Mom. Same t- same deal here. And she's also super important. She's more important than any of the other things we're going to talk about. She's even more important than the last thing we talked about, which was angels. Yeah, it's a huge topic, though. There's, you know, there's, you know, her dogmas. There's these other titles. There's the rosary. There's apparitions. We can go on for, like, a long time. We can, and we don't want to do that. No. So we're just going to keep this one simple. We're only going to do four dogmas and four titles, right? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. So let's do that. Let's. You want to dive right in? Let's do it, Bob. Let's start with the four dogmas. Whoa, slow down, Dan. What? I don't even know what a dogma is. Oh, right. Well, it's a, it's a doctrine that has been declared by the church to be uh, definitely true. Right. I read more, I read somewhere that it is a some a true that. It's, it's a truth of the faith that we're bound to hold, and it's divinely revealed by God. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely accurate. So, oh, and then there's these other things called doctrines. Well, they're not other things. That, uh, dogmas are a subset of doctrines. Doctrine is a, another word for a teaching. Okay. And uh, There's some different of them, levels, apparently, of these teachings. Yeah, not everything that uh, is a doctrine is uh, is infallible. So you can have... You can have doctrines where Catholics are, um, you ought to give the benefit of the doubt that anything that appears in like the catechism is true. But uh, if you have very strong um, reasons after doing a lot of study for disagreeing with something uh, and it's not been infallibly declared yet, uh, there can be, there can be, dissent? yeah, there can be legitimate dissent from things. So dogmas are the top uh, things. These are like, these are doctrines dogmas. that are, you can take them to the bank. There's no way they can ever change. This right. is gold. And dissenting from a dogma would be a sin. Yeah. If you're so. a Catholic and you said, you know, I don't believe in these dogmas. It's like saying, okay, I'm removing myself from the church. So I think we covered pretty well what a dogma is and what a doctrine is. What are the Marian dogmas, Bob? Or what's one of them? Well, I know there's four. I just Googled it the other day. There's uh, Mary, the mother of God, Mary's perpetual virginity. Let's just stick with the one for now. The Immaculate Conception and no, the Assumption. Guess we're not doing that. Nope. Mary, the mother of God. Dan, listen, you're going to be Tim Staples. I'll be Cy Kellett. I don't know who that guy is. How dare you? Who is he? Is he a podcaster? They're on Catholic Answers. Oh, okay. Shout out to you, Coffin. Oh, wait, he left. I know who Coffin is. All right. <clears throat> Uh, See what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) And I also know who is Coffin. Mary, the mother of God. So I don't get it. Mary uh, is the mother of God. So she, because of her, we have God. (laughs) You almost got it, Bob. Mary, the mother of God. She gave birth to God. She did. Yeah, you're right. Now you got it. Okay. You went from not having it to having it in a few seconds. I don't even know what I did. Yeah. I just uh, said the sentence two different ways and boom, got it right. She's not the cause of God. She's, but she is his mother. Ah. Uh, so he, uh, before he, before she existed, he created her, and then he said, "She's gonna be my mom," and he jumped into her womb. So, <laughs> and more, he, she more was, or less. It was probably not exactly yeah, yeah. the language that he used. Yeah, like he dove in. <laughs> and you're my mom now. <laughs> so Mary, the mother of God. Yeah, it's not. 
I don't think it's that that hard of a thing to understand. She gave birth to Jesus. Jesus is God. I was trying to be holy. Did you hear what I did with my voice? Mary, the mother of God. How sublime. You sound like one of those soft podcasters, Bob. We're not soft podcasters. One of those. Can you imagine a more high honor to bestow on somebody? No. No, I can't. In fact, uh, so this is some some Protestants object to Catholic doctrine by saying, uh, well, you give too much honor to Mary. Right. But we, we don't. The Bible gave her more honor than we ever did when it called her the mother of Jesus. That's which huge. Is, which is what it does in John chapter two, verse one, I think. So we're just two. following the Bible. Yeah, we're just doing what it says. Uh, so why do we even have uh, dogmas and doctrines about Mary, Bob? Do we do we need any of that stuff? Can't you just believe about her, whatever you want? Or why can't you? Apparently not. You tell me. Why can't you just believe? Why is it important that I believe this? Why can't? Why doesn't the church say, you know what? This is what we think, but you know, yeah, whatever well, you want to think is fine too. Why don't? Why doesn't the church say that? Everything that we teach about Mary, we teach because it's something about Jesus. Ah. And so also, knowing these dogmas about Mary helps us to better understand Jesus. Yeah. And also, we're supposed to have we're supposed to know what happened to Mary because it's in the Bible. The Bible tells us things, various things that happened to Mary. And she says things like, from this generation, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that right there, that's uh, not that not that hard of a, not that much of a stretch to say we're supposed to figure out, not figure out, we're supposed to honor her for the great things that God did for her. And if we're like, oh, we're, we're just not going to do that or we're not going to teach what great things God did for her, then we're not really following that verse, which Amen. is in Luke 1. 46, I think. Yeah, so, all right, that's number one. Mary's the mother of God. Two, perpetual virginity. What's that all about? Yeah, uh, so she didn't have any other kids besides Jesus, and uh, she didn't do it with, uh, do the do the, the marital act with her husband, Joseph, or, or anybody else. Hmm. That'd be the doctrine there. Joseph was okay with that? I don't know. He might, <laughs> might have been. He might have been sore about it. I don't know. But uh, I, I assume so, because he was a holy man, and he was told by an angel to uh, keep Mary as his uh, as his wife, so I assume that he was okay with it. I think the plan must have been all along because uh, that they weren't going to have relations. No, isn't that what we suspect? Yeah. So there's Marian dogmas, and then there's like Marian theories. Mm-hmm. And one of the theories about Mary is uh, she maybe had a vow before even the angel ever spoke to her about bearing Jesus that she had a vow of virginity. There's some evidence for that in Scripture. Um, so, like, when the angel shows up and he says to her, you're going to have a baby, she's already betrothed to Joseph, so she that should be something they'd expect to happen. Yeah. But she doesn't expect that because she says, um, how's that going to happen? Like, how shall this yeah, be? Yeah, when the angel says, you're going to conceive and you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus, right. she's like, huh? How's that going to happen? Right. And that's... So if I came to you, Bob, and if you were getting married, and I was like, hey, Bob, I think you're going to have... You're going to be a father. Yeah. You wouldn't be like, well, how's that work, Dan? I would I'm be not... like, Dan, what are you talking about? I'm just getting, I'm just engaged to be married. I, what are you, what are you trying What's to? What's this whole children stuff? Right? <laughs> yeah. it, it sort of goes with. Yeah, I would know. Getting married, I would know. But for Mary, she indicates that she was getting married, but it didn't come with and the so expectation there, of having right children. Right there is evidence that right she never expected to have children. So and then the that's other why we think that she the other half of her reply to the angel is, uh, "I do not know man." So she says, "How how shall this be? I do not know man." Mm. And that that's like. Uh, an unusual way of saying, I'm not currently having sex with anybody. Right. She's like, she could have said that. She could have used like the present 
Um, but she could have just limited it, but she said, I do not. It's like saying I do not smoke. Right. You don't say that if you plan to. Uh, right. You say it if you don't plan to. So there's a, there's two pieces of evidence right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was also some early um, early literature by the church fathers about Mary said that she did have some sort of vow before she ever uh, wed got wed to Joseph. Okay. So then why then the question of course is why get married if you don't plan to have sex? Um That's a good question. Yeah. Well and this is all theory so you don't have to believe any of this stuff anyway, but um if she, if she did have some sort of vow, it would make sense that she would want someone to be a protector for her and in that t- in that time period it wasn't uh it it would make sense for her to say uh, I'll, I'll have this relationship with you as long as you agree not to have sexual relations, and then you can be a protector and stuff. Yeah. So that's, was Joseph older than her? That's how I normally hear about it. Yeah. Also a theory. Um, we don't. The Bible never tells us Joseph's age, and neither does the uh, church's tradition. Doesn't have any reliable reports about it. But it is speculated that he was an older man. Uh, and that's what that's one and speculation. He, yeah, and he died. <laughs> he died uh, before Jesus ever started his ministry. So. Yeah, there's the only evidence that I'm aware of, and it's pretty shaky evidence, is that he's he he's basically unmentioned during Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. Mary is is uh, quite frequently mentioned during Jesus' ministry. Um, she's actually the most most men, most talked about woman in the Bible huh. is Mary. Okay, great. Something like seventy five verses about Mary compared to uh, fifty or so for the next runner up, who's I think Sarah. But anyway, um, Vatican II reiterated the teaching about Mary, the, the ever virgin, by stating that Christ's birth did not diminish Mary's virginal integrity, but sanctified it. What do you know about that? It sounded like a lot. What did that? Could you, <laughs> let's let's go through that again. Uh, so the church teaches that uh, Christ's birth did not diminish Mary's virginal integrity, but sanctified it. What's virginal integrity, Bob? It means that even during the birth, she remained a virgin. Yeah. So That's we were talking about this the other day, and to me, I was like, of course, because the only way you'd lose it is by doing something during your labor, which would be unlikely. But I think your point was— That's not what's meant by the, ever virgin. The, the physical— The uh, womb, the anatomy. When, when, when you uh, have a baby, stuff breaks. Right, and, pretty much. <laughs> and that didn't happen with Mary. That's right. So it was like— like the other miracles with Jesus being here and then there. Like he was locked out the door somewhere. Where was this? Uh, in John chapter 20 when they were all in the upper room. Yeah, behind uh, locked doors. Yes. And he, Jesus was there it says outside locked, of the room. They shut and locked the doors. And then it says, and then Jesus was among them. Right. So <laughs> the like, actual delivery of Jesus from going from womb to, to, not womb. to out of the womb was... Miraculous. It was like he's here and then he's because he didn't break anything. He didn't right. He, that's he right. didn't bust down the door. That's right. So. That's one way of saying it. And the and the catechism maintains that Jesus Christ. All right, we're moving on to another thing. That Jesus was Mary's only child. Protestants believe Jesus had all these brothers. They do, but they but he didn't. Um, or he did. He had people you, that are called brothers in the Bible, but that's very. It's very common in the Bible for people to have uh, other relatives that are called their brothers. Abraham's nephew is called his brother. Uh, Paul calls all of the all of the Israelites. He calls his brothers. Right. Uh, it happens a lot in the Bible, and we're not saying Jesus didn't have any relatives or close relatives. So it that's it makes sense that some people would be called his brother, which happens in the Bible. 
Protestant would be like, why do you guys, why are you so hung up on her not having other kids? What would we say to that? Well, like I said, it's some, it's it's really a teaching about Jesus. So it's the Bible that tells us that Mary's virginity was a sign for the house of Israel. Mm. It says that in Isaiah chapter 7, I, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And it's uh, speaking to Israel here. Oh, Israel, the Lord will, will give you a sign. The virgin shall bear a child and and uh, and name him Jesus. Uh, so that there's a number of things about that. One, a sign is is um, it's a sign for the house of Israel, and it doesn't. It's not like it goes away after after the you know a year after Jesus is born. So it's a sign she's not for a virgin all times. Right. It is a sign. So why did God choose that to make that a sign? He wanted there to be evidence for the people of Israel and for all time that uh, he the the father of Jesus is no man, but mm-hmm. it's God. And that uh, that diminishes if Mary has a bunch of other kids. It seems like he's just one in the line. She's right. Like, well, this you take my word for it. This one's special. Right. That's not. You know, she had no other kids because uh, Jesus' only sonship of Mary is a sign of him being the only son of God. So it's a perpetual sign for all of us, and that's her perpetual virginity. I also personally think it's a little bit interesting that it says a virgin shall bear him and name him. Mm. So that happened afterwards. Ah, uh, uh-huh. not, not that not that long afterwards, right. but still, I think it's fascinating. Sure. No. All right, that's two. The uh, Mary, Mother of God, perpetual virginity. Number three, the Immaculate Conception. Yeah. What's the? Uh, ask me a question about that, Bob. Yeah, the Immaculate <laughs> Conception. When did that come about? When did it come about? Mary's. So that yeah, good question. Because this is Mary's conception, not Jesus' conception. It's not referring to the birth of Jesus. Correct. Ah, that's, Mary's conception. Right. In St. Anne's and Joachim, right? Yeah. Um, so immaculate does not mean virgin birth. Okay. That's, uh, two that's different the, things. Two different things. Uh, Mary's parents did things the normal way, but Mary was preserved free from original sin. Now, what is that? Since every doctrine about Mary tells us about Je- something about Jesus, or it's really about Jesus, what does this tell us about Jesus? Or do you, can you think of anything? What does this tell us about you? Jesus? Yeah. It tells us that he was uh, uh, God paved the way for him. Yeah, how's that? Yeah, I was thinking it's fitting that Jesus be born of somebody without sin because he's so holy. So there's lots of um, there's lots of uh, what's precursors to this in the Old Testament or the symbols of of this is going to happen. Uh, The Ark of the Covenant is a perfect example. So the Ark of the Covenant, which which held a the word of God in stone, uh, meaning the Ten Commandments, and mm-hmm. the uh, manna from the desert. It held a jar of that, and it held Aaron's uh, rod that budded, budded, rod that budded. That thing was uh, God insisted when He was telling Moses to make it. It has to be of pure gold and made exactly according to the pattern that I showed you, mm-hmm. with no mistakes. Right. And that's sort of a precursor or a symbol that uh, there's. A, that's the way God does things. So right. how much more when He's putting the real word of God, the real uh, bread of life, and the real priest, the true priest, uh, the true high priest. When th- when that comes into the world, he also paves the way with something perfect, made of pure gold or made of purity and uh, with no no flaws. So when we hold up Mary and say she never sinned, we're really saying God is so holy, right? That's what yeah. we're doing. We're really giving the praise to God. Like that's the way I look at it. I'm mm-hmm. like I'm saying Mary was without sin because of my high regard for God. 
Yeah, why, why does God uh, appear in glorious temples? And why does he appear in uh, on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant with angels surrounding him? And why does he do all these things? Because th- all those things are beautiful and pure and, and lovely because they glorify him. And then and they're from his instructions. And it's the same with Mary. She is pure and glorious, glorious and lovely because all of that is a, is a reflection of his glory in that he chose her to enter this world through. Remember the old Ark, it was so holy you couldn't touch it. That's right. And there's that story from, was that Exodus or something? When Uzzah uh, touched it? And, uh, it's Exodus or Numbers. When I'm Uzzah, shaky on Yeah, God said, nobody's to touch this thing. And then they were traveling with it and it started to fall. And Uzzah wanted to be, a, you know, help out and try to catch it. He touched it and he died. Mm-hmm. And he died because it was so holy. They said, don't touch it. Only the priests can touch it. The Levitical te- priests yeah, he can th- touch it. Uh, he thought he could make an exception for himself. He thought he could say, oh, well. I will grab this thing and hold on to it. But it's more important to follow God's laws than even to break them for the sake of uh, thinking you have a noble intention there. And so Joseph knew that story Mm -hmm. really well. And so (laughs) he didn't touch the ark. No, he's like, oh, man, God in the flesh is coming. I am not going to be the next Uzzah. (laughs) Yeah, I do not want to be Uzzah. Uh, So I'm sure he (laughs) he wasn't going there. Number four, the assumption. What is he, What do you know about what do you what can we assume about the assumption? Let's not make assumptions, Bob. <laughs> that's just terrible. In, just let's, let's believe in that's one. Let's edit that out. <laughs> the assumption, yeah, that's. Uh, so I I was talking to a Protestant guy once, and I gave him a book about Catholic doctrines. Uh, it was uh, one by Carl Keating, and this Protestant guy he got all the way to the assumption thing, and he couldn't figure out what it was. He was like, he came back to me. He was like, I had to get like five pages into the chapter on the assumption to figure out what. What the assumption was, like they, they never said what it is. So did he ever figure it out? Yeah, it was it was there in the book. But let, lest that happen, what is the assumption, Bob? The assumption is the teaching that when Mary died, whoa, whoa, you already got it wrong. <laughs> when Mary may or may not have died, <laughs> when Mary uh, died was, or didn't was done with this earthly life, she didn't go into heaven with her soul like all the other saints. Well, she did, but she also went with her body. Yes, she went with her body. So right now, at this very moment, there are two people in heaven with their bodies glorified. And that is Jesus and Mary. What do you think they're doing up there? Chess. Chinese checkers, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're probably doing, doing something with their bodies that praises God. Maybe yeah, that's kneeling, unbelievable. Oran's position or some sort of prayer position. Yeah, doing the rosary. Yeah, and I I often hear people say heaven is not a place; it's a state of mind. It's a state of being. That's what I hear. It's a state of being. I'm like, hold on a second. What about the assumption? So it's got to be a place. If you got a body, you got to be in a place. Mm-hmm. So heaven is both a state of being and a place. Yeah, and there's a lot. Very many things are states of being and also a place. Uh, purgatory mm-hmm. is an example there. So the yeah, Mary went up to heaven with her body. And that's a special gift that wasn't given to very many people, uh, possibly no others. Of, yeah, very, very, not very many people. Um, it is a total of zero besides her. Well, the, there is speculative spe- speculation that Elijah got to heaven with his body. Oh. The uh, chariot came down and picked him up, and it says he went up to heaven. Whether that's the heaven, uh, the just heavens, meaning the sky, or whether it's the real heaven. Or that, the beatific vision. Right. Uh, so he could. it could have been him. And then there's also speculation that Moses was assumed into heaven. All right, so you might have a euchre game instead of checkers. <laughs> could be. They could be playing <laughs> euchre up there. Uh, but 
Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. It's not dogma that they got assumed into heaven, but so, it's dogma that Mary did. Yeah. So those are the four dogmas, and those last two were like pro- professed by by popes, right? Sure. Well, they all were, but um, the first two came from ecumenical councils, mm-hmm. and the last two came from papal decrees. So they're so, so okay. So they're all. From, should we go into what those mean? Uh, they're all from popes, basically. But the first two were ratified by popes, and the last two were just like, "Hey, we don't need a council." Yeah. Boom. Yeah. In fact, uh, I believe the Immaculate Conception one, if I remember right, that happened right around the time of the twentieth um, ecumenical council, and they were they thought. Why don't we make this part of the council? But the Pope said, eh, I'm just going to do it. So he released a letter and did it without the council. Yeah, we got this new shiny papal infallibility gift. I'm going to show it off. So an ecumenical council is when all the bishops get together and publish writings about whatever controversies are of the day. And a papal encyclical is when the Pope does that on his own. Uh, so that's that was uh, the difference between the two. Um yeah, so that's let's the get back to Mary dying. How do I we said know that... when Mary died, and you kind of barked at me. What do you mean? She might not have died. Yeah, that uh, she may or may not have died. The the church fathers get, go uh, are very divided on whether or not she died. No kidding. Some say, well, I suppose not very divided. The, the most common position you read among the church fathers is them saying we don't know if she died or not because mm-hmm. they said the Bible doesn't say whether she died or not. Right. It, in the Book of Revelation, she's suddenly in heaven and with a crown on her head, mm-hmm. which. That that's a that's part of your body. <laughs> and then some people say she died because she wanted to be like her son. And some people say she died. Uh, some of some of them said she probably died uh, to be like her son. Some of them said she did not die because, um, s- similar with the ark story, the ark disappeared and and there's no one to know. It's not known where it is. Right. And they're like the the same thing happened to Mary. She just disappeared from the earth and is gone. And Do we have any heaven. idea how old Mary was when she? Went to heaven. Uh, any idea? Yeah, like any idea at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's Eusebius of Caesarea wrote something called the Chronology of the Early Church, which is a list of dates when things happened. And he puts Mary's um, assumption in, I believe, 48 AD, or what we would call 48 AD. They didn't, uh, they dated things So add like 13, then. 14 years to that. You so see, yeah. 60 something, early 67 ish. Now, people speculate, too, about this. If she was without sin, did she ever age past, like, her, her prime? Because that's an effect of sin, like getting old and dying. She was without sin. So I like to think about, did, did she ever get past, like, 33 or whatever the, the peak age is for, for somebody? Did she ever age? I mean, did she look, did her hair start to gray? You know what I mean? Yeah. This is totally speculative. Church has no doctrines on this, and I've seen very little theories on it. Um, What's your my, personal theory, Dan? Having just heard of this idea, my initial <laughs> thought is, <laughs> yeah, she. Pro- I, I imagine that she grew old, okay. and that her and grade and all that stuff. Hmm. It would have been weird otherwise. But that maybe freak the people out. I mean, people age gracefully still, and it's not it's not that unusual. Sure, to someone who's sixty seven and they or, or somewhere around there, and they still look like the forties or whatever. Right, but you know, I guess the argument is, if she's without sin, there's no reason for her to be. To you know, grow old and decay. Yeah, and there would be no reason, but it's just Jesus had no reason why he had to, other than to save us, why he had to uh, suffer and die. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary may have also had no reason to um, grow old and such, but may have chosen to in order to be more united with humanity. Yeah, could I like have, that. Could be. I think I like that better. 
that's kind of weird that you you know reach 33 and just quit aging after that. All right, let's move on to these these other titles. We already touched on the Ark of the New Covenant. Yeah. Um, so this one and the next one, uh, which is New Eve, come from a study of the Bible, a, a way of studying the Bible that focuses on something called types. Mm. You ever heard of types before, Bob? Typology. Yeah, I have. I heard uh, a priest talking about it once. Types. Like uh, the uh, this. this um, Types comes from a Greek word that means symbol. Okay. And so you, you could also call it the study of symbols mm-hmm. instead of typology, which would be the study of types. Uh, I think that's a better word because in English we don't we type means something else. Right. But uh, study of, people look into the Bible for symbols of other things, mm-hmm. particularly Old Testament symbols for things that happen in the New Testament. Right. Uh, and what do they say? The old is hidden, or the new is hidden. In the or... the new is hidden in the old, and the old is. Re- Revealed in the new. Okay. It's concealed and revealed. Yeah. So old is conce- new is concealed in the old and old is revealed in the new. it's really cool if you look for these things, and I'm sure the fathers did. You know? Oh, yeah. And even St. Paul did it. And they love the Bible so much more than we do. We're so distracted, but they would just study this thing all day. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know about it. A lot more than us. A lot more than us. Pro- yeah. They didn't have Netflix. The, uh, even in the Bible, there are people who start, who start studying um, symbolism in the Old Testament or in parts of the Bible that were written before they were around and applying it to things that happened in their time. Uh, in the book of Maccabees, they bring up some prophecies from the from older times that were prophecies about other things. And they say, this prophecy also applies to our time because like destruction and stuff that they, they, they saw prophesied for another per- person. They said, well, this is also happening to us. It's like, it's a double meaning. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of uh, evidence in scripture that God intentionally wrote double meanings into things where, oh, yeah? where a person has meaning for the time, for the time that they live in like Adam, but is, there's also a secondary meaning for, for the new Testament where Adam represents Jesus and uh, Jesus is the is called the last Adam in the book of uh, first first or second Corinthians um, because he came from God like Adam Adam was also uh, he's also called the Son of God mm-hmm. um, in Luke 1 1 and so is Jesus and then um, uh, there's a, there's a couple other things that they have similar like they, they're both at the start of their respective uh, testaments God made a covenant with each of them mm-hmm. um, but there's so the study of typology suggests to us that um, the Ark of the Covenant is a symbol for Mary because of things I went earlier, uh, I went through earlier. It held the uh, word of God in stone. It held the manna, for the bread of life that God gave to the Israelites, and it held the um, the priestly rod, uh, the rod of the high priest. Well, Jesus, those are all symbols of Jesus. Yeah. So it makes sense that the thing that carried them is also a symbol for the the person who carried Jesus. And there's all like these two parallels. There's all these parallels too in First Samuel, I think, and Luke, where it talks about mm-hmm. David dancing before the ark, and then you read about uh, Mary visiting Elizabeth, where the the child within Elizabeth dances in the womb, John the Baptist. So yeah. there's all kind there's of the, cool the, little things. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, which yep. is what he did with the ark. It says that uh, it was overshadowed with the glory of God. And then she stayed for three months. Whenever he appeared to them, he would. There was a couple things about how long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, there are many, many things that indicate there is that the Ark of the Old Covenant was a symbol for uh, the Ark of the New Covenant. Yeah, some other things like typology, like the man is a type of the Eucharist. Then there's Eve. And then there's Eve. So Eve is, like Adam is a symbol for Jesus, uh, the most important man at the beginning of the Old Testament is a uh, symbol for the most important man at the beginning of the New, so also with Eve. 
She's the most important woman at the beginning of the Old Testament, and she's a symbol for Mary, the most important woman at the beginning of the New. And everything in the New Covenant is superior to the Old Covenant types. Right. And that's another piece of evidence for the Immaculate Conception there, because uh, one of the greatest th- gifts that Eve was given was to be created without any sin. Mm-hmm. She, she chose to sin later, but she didn't have any before that. And it's similar with Mary. Uh, she's even greater than that. She's called the most blessed of all women. Because not only was she created without original sin, but she also chose to obey and to do the, the mission that God gave her. And she was life. created full of grace. Was Eve created full of grace? She was. Okay. And then she sinned. She got rid of it. So even if you're full of grace, I guess you can still sin. Yeah, it can happen. Hmm. If you, you, can, you can choose to throw away the gifts of God. All right. Well, God has free will. Can he sin? No, because he's the... He's the standard of goodness. That's, He's the standard of goodness. Whatever he does, that that's the definition of what's the good thing to do. So right. if he did something, it wouldn't be a sin. Let's not go down this rabbit hole. All right, all right. Let's, use, let's get to these other two titles. Co-redemptrix and mediatrix. Of all graces. These, like the other two, these would be theories rather than dogmas. Right. Um, uh, Protestants really would have a problem with these two. Yeah, but mostly, Jesus is the redeemer. We call Mary the co-redemptrix. And they think... Mostly By this title, where you're, we're saying that she's equal to Jesus because uh, it's co. I mean, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. There are some Protestants who know that's not what we mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, in my experience, it's mostly the terminology that they seem to disagree with. Because if you said Mary played a pivotal role in salvation history, they wouldn't have a problem with that. But then if you say, okay, well, that's, co- that's what co-redemptrix means. And they're going to say, well, now you put the word redeemer in there. Mm-hmm. And it's no good. By but co, the, we don't mean equal. We mean with or co. I like Peter Crave. He says co means to cooperate. Yeah, yeah. which which is to work with. Right. So, um, yeah, that's co. There does not always mean equal to. Right. Um, sometimes it means you're doing something with someone else. And th- so, in this sense, we're definitely not saying equal to. We're saying she cooperated. She her will with was aligned redeemer. with him because she was full of grace. True. And also, uh, one, one difference between Catholic theology and Protestant theology is that in Catholic theology, we can do things that uh, assist with the salvation of others. Yeah, we're all basically, I mean, if we share the gospel with somebody, we're a co-redeemer. Yes, we are. Uh, even the, this, this language is all over the New Testament when St. Paul says things like, save yourselves from this wicked generation. Yeah. Or when he says... Uh, to Timothy, he says, preach the gospel. By doing so, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Mm-hmm. And he says of himself, I have saved many. Right. And uh, Mary, she is she is uh, an example of someone who whose role in salvation history was very uh, critical in bringing us the Redeemer. So, yeah. so she helps too. No Mary, <laughs> no Jesus. Right. Um, and if you know Mary. You know Jesus. That's right. So what's the other one, Bob? Final one, mediatrix of all graces. I don't get it. What's that supposed to mean? Well, uh, mediatrix is, uh, is some, someone that something goes through. Okay. Well, that's what a mediator is, and then tricks is just the feminine ending. Okay. So uh, uh, Moses— The Bible says we have one mediator between God and man. I guess this is something different. Well, yeah. Uh, no, that, that, that's a good point. Um, there, just like it says there is, uh, we have one father, it also says we have one mediator. Mm-hmm. And yet within that one mediator, there are many mediators. Yeah. And within that, just as within that one father, God, there are also many, many fathers that because, represent God. Because we are in Christ. Right. Right? 
And so the Bible also says that other people are mediators. In addition to saying we have one mediator, it also says uh, that Moses was a mediator. In Galatians chapter 3, it says he was the, that, God, that an angel gave the Ten Commandments to a mediator, Moses, who then gave them to Is, the Israelites. The, he was the mediator of the Old Covenant. So why does that say there was one mediator between God and men, and that's Jesus? Because all, all mediation that we do in this world of anything good comes through. Uh, Jesus is the ultimate one who's, who's letting us do that. Okay. So, he's so we're, just, we're many mediators we're within the bigger one. We're just participating. Right. And so Mary, uh, the doctrine of mediatrix of all graces, says that she was given, uh, she, she's the one through whom all graces came. Right. Which, who, who did all, that's Jesus. He's the one who came to us through Mary, and with him came all graces to us. Now, do all Mary. of these graces come through Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Yeah, well, they're they're so close together, man. The, you can't get they're the one, one nature; it's inseparable. Right? They have the same. They are the same uh, substance, same same thing. Same nature. Just uh, different people within that one thing. Yeah. So, and we talked about that before. Yeah. Let's not. We don't have to go into the whole Trinity thing no. again. So this is great. I think we should wrap it up here, Dan. Um, All right, Bob. Do you have anything to add, or you want to go into your final thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, pray pray the rosary for the sake of evangelization. Mary is the star of the new evangelization. And if we use her rosary and use, if we meditate on the great things that God did for her, we can become instruments of grace for others as she was an instrument of grace for us. So yeah, pray to Mary, use the rosary, and then go out and evangelize. Pray the rosary every day. I do it. And I talk to her and I ask her for help. And if ever I'm struggling with lust, say three Hail Marys, that works. So she's there for you. She's your mom. She wants the best for you. She's got uh, maternal care like you wouldn't believe. So make Mary a part of your life. God bless you, folks. Peace be with you.